Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. Today's topic, Theology in Unexpected Places. Have you ever had someone express the idea that it is practical stuff that really matters, not doctrine? They may say things like doctrine divides or it doesn't make a difference what you believe as long as you do the right thing. Another expression might be love is important, not doctrine. However, when you open the Bible and see how it addresses people's behavior and gives instructions for Christian living, you find doctrine. Doctrine is defined simply as teaching. So it refers to a set of beliefs and principles. It has to do with the content of the truth God has revealed in the gospel. The doctrine of God and the person and work of Jesus Christ is a necessity, not an option for the Christian faith. In addition, doctrine is essential for practical Christian living. Consider these examples of the biblical writers responding to problems that Christians experience. Example 1. In the church at Philippi, two Christian ladies, Eudoia and Synthache, did not agree with one another. Their disagreement was affecting the church body, and Paul has concern. He addresses the issue by pointing that selfishness and ambition that may be at the root of the problem. Paul's solution is his masterful teaching on the humiliation of Jesus Christ in his incarnation. Humility in the life of believers is needed so that we do not consider ourselves better than one another, and that we seek out the interest of others. Jesus, in his humiliation of leaving heaven to become a human and to suffer the ultimate humiliation of death on the cross for our salvation, is the model for how we are to live and serve as his followers. We need to have the same mind, that is, the viewpoint, the attitude of the Savior that he displayed in becoming our Redeemer. Consider with me, secondly, the difficulties that occur in marriage between a husband and a wife. Marriage requires consideration, communication, and the discharge of mutual responsibilities. However, due to sin, the husband or the wife can act toward one another in anger, harsh words, selfishness, and rivalry. When children are added, and as they grow and begin to exert some independence, Parents, especially fathers, can lay down the rules in such a way as to stir up resentment. How does the Bible address these common problems? The answer the Bible gives is deeply theological, touching on God's election and on Christ's atonement. Paul writes in Ephesians 5:22 and following, Husbands, love your wives in the same way and in like manner as Christ loved the church. How does Christ Jesus love the church? Well, he gave himself up for her. Wives, submit to your husbands as God's appointed head of the family. How did Christ submit to the Father? How does the church submit to Christ her head? Christ sought always to do the Father's will and bring him honor. The church loves and submits to her Lord and her head by discerning his will and guidance. In reference to parent and children relations, the children are to imitate Christ, honoring the Father and obeying His commands, while fathers especially are urged to avoid harshness and discipline that stirs up anger. Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 applies the love as Christ's love principle to the marital relations. 
Husbands and wives are not to use sex as a weapon and deprive one another as a punishment or a control mechanism. The marital union brings with it a giving up of selfish rights and the entitlement of joint giving and sharing to please one another. Peter adds in his letter that the lack of biblical submission and the lack of understanding and honor between the husband and wife will result in hindered prayers. How we live with one another directly affects our spiritual life. All of these practical problems are addressed in Scripture by the application of the profound truth of Christ, the Word, becoming human and dwelling among us, and how He lived in submission to His Father and gave Himself up in an atoning sacrifice for us and our sins. His actions were based on the Father and the Son's love. In addition, the doctrine of God's covenants are applied to these areas. Or take a third problem area that needs counsel among Christians. It's the matter of immorality. The sexual behavior of Christians cannot be successfully managed by prohibitions. Paul addresses the area of sexual self-control by the deep theological truth of our union with Jesus Christ and the residence of the Holy Spirit within us. Thus, believers are not to take their bodies where it's a temple of God's dwelling by the Spirit and unite them with prostitutes. We are to surrender our body parts for proper use with the boundaries set by God. Then let's look at the problem of how to get along with difficult people or those who are enemies. Again, the answer is theological. We are to draw upon the doctrine of God's common grace and on the reaction of the Son of God to those who displayed hatred toward Him. Matthew 5 relates Jesus' teaching in the following words. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? Even God provides sunshine and rain for both the just and the unjust, so we should love our enemies by seeking their good, even as we love our friends. Based on the doctrine of God's justice, Paul writes in Romans 12, verses 18 through 20, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live in peace with all people. Do not take revenge, friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance belongs to my, to me. I will pay them back, declares the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. For if he's thirsty, give him a drink. If you do this, you'll pile burning coals on his head. On the matter of giving resources, such as money to those in need, again, the great doctrine of Christ's incarnation is used to instruct us. The primary thing we must understand and come to grips with in our own lives is the fact of sin. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Jesus' example of humble self-sacrifice is our supreme model for sacrificially helping our brothers and sisters in God's family, the church. All the believers were united, Acts 4, 2 and 4 tells us, and shared everything with one another. They made it their practice to sell their possessions and goods and to distribute the proceeds to anyone who was in need.
Now, there are other areas of practical concern dealing with the result of sin in our lives and the lives of others to which the Bible addresses theological truth. My challenge to you is to list an area of practical concern and your need for wisdom. Then think of what God has revealed about himself and what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. Now, having done this, apply these revealed truths to your need, and you'll begin to see theology in unexpected places. In the midst of your life as a child of God and as a follower of the Lord's Messiah, Jesus, as Christians, every area of our lives must be lived in the light of God's truth, the truth of God and his nature, the truth of Jesus Christ's person and work, and the truth of God's Spirit living in us and among us so that what we say and what we do are done for God's glory. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. And the next time, keep looking to the Word of God, keep applying it to your lives, and you'll discover theology in unexpected places.